uh, let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray now that you would speak in a great way. Lord, truly, may we have open hearts. I ask in Christ's name, amen. It really gets fascinating just seeking God's will out to see, okay, where is he going to take you in the pulpit? I honestly, I was going to be going, I had it down on my calendar. I was going a completely different direction right now. But there are circumstances and situations and the work of the Holy Spirit that I believe that God has led me here. This was gonna be coming later on in the year, but it's coming now. Uh, you know, year after year or every four years, we wind up saying, okay, this, this is the most important this, it's the most important that, and they're all important. But how many of you are bracing for the year 2024 to be the year of lying? I mean, it's been going on for so long, but it is reaching a fever pitch. And not just in the political realm, but several realms. And I rejoice that we have the truth. Thy word is truth. The scripture says of itself. I pray that what we're about to do helps us. You, you mentioned the book that Brother Chapel wrote. I know this has been a burden for him. You know, I, you, get, you get connected with the people that deal with your medical needs. We're, my wife and I, for instance, we're with Kaiser. You call there, and for the last several years, the automated answer has changed. If you are having a medical, and then they have added this, or psychiatric emergency, please dial 911 or go to the nearest hospital. We know that wasn't always the same. One of the young ladies here, her, uh, her major is counseling. And I praise God for that. I mean, praise God for every other, but you know, I, and, and counseling really is discipleship on steroids almost. You, you could call it that. There is a real need, folks. And, and I pray that you're gonna be on board with this, not because of me, but I pray that we are going to really listen to the word of God tonight. I'm gonna be going to John 3.16. Why? Because that's where we are in our study of the book of John. Well, with the book of John, chapter three, verse 16, we've heard it so many times. What winds up happening? We have this dullness that, and, and we've got to overcome it at times. We have this dullness that winds up coming up. Well, I've heard everything. No, we haven't because every time I open my Bible to John chapter three, verse 16 is still there. God hasn't taken it out and said, well, you know, we've, we've gotten that taken care of. That is not the case. It's the same thing with where we're going to be going here. 
Now take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I was a late Vietnam vet. I didn't get into the military until December of 72. The Vietnam War was winding down. But I remember what it was like in the 60s with the protest and everything. And my dad was a plumber uh, at UCLA. And uh, one time he drove our family car, a 64 Chevy Impala, to, uh, to work instead of his pickup truck. And we had a bumper sticker uh, on the back of the car. And some of you might remember this, America, love it or leave it. And so there were others that came out with, well, America, change it or lose it. And the word lose was in flames. Well, you know, that didn't sit well with some people like my dad. But he had that bumper sticker on there, America, love it or leave it. Well, it's been a long time since UCLA has been a bastion of conservatism. And so this one day that dad drove the car in and parked there at UCLA, somebody kicked out our taillights. They didn't exactly like what dad had there. That was the situation that we were involved in. Those of you that are older, how many of you remember the chaos of the 60s? I mean, you know, and the protests, there were a lot of protests going on, but I remember protests about, again, the Vietnam War. Now, set aside whether or not you agreed with whether or not we were there for right or for wrong. But it worked, it, it, was, it was working on our military. They're trying to decide, okay, you know, how do we approach this? So I remember the Navy. Now, if you're Navy, Brother Granby, I'm not picking on anybody, but this was the Navy's way of trying to get recruits. Hey, we're the first ones that came out with the mod look, you know, the, 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 the bell bottom. Did you remember wearing that brother? Okay, absolutely, all right. And then the army, the army wants to join you. That was strange. I can't remember what the Air Force was saying. I don't know, I just signed up. But the Marine Corps had something that was interesting. And theirs was this. Nobody likes to fight, but somebody's got to know how. And that's drop dead right. Now, when it comes to the Christian warfare, we are yearning for the time when we lay that out, we lay it down. We lay down the, the arms. We are, we are in heaven. The, the, the situation uh, with the spiritual warfare is over. Praise God. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. But still, it gets difficult. And really, there's a lot of Christians, their motto is, nobody likes to fight and I'm one of them. Because it does, you know, it challenges you, you grow or whatever. But we are told that not only are we on the winning side because of Jesus Christ, 
but we can, having done all, stand. Now, I'd like for us in Ephesians 6, we're going to read just the first four verses of what we're going to be covering. I don't know how many weeks this is going to take, but I have six points that we need to go through before we get there, and I'm only going to be able to cover the first one this morning, and I might not be able to get all of that. But look, if you would please, Ephesians 6, look at verse 10. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, please understand, if God gives us a command by his power, we can do it. Look at verse 11. So put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. The same devil that started things out in Genesis 3, yea, hath God said, he hasn't changed, folks. He is still, that's the only power that he has. But it is an amazing power because so many Christians are not grounded in God's word. And it's like, oh, well, that sounds good. Now the world, they're eating it up. They're absolutely taking it on and taking it on and taking it on. But there are times when Christians... And that's where the counseling comes in. That's where the preaching comes in. That's where your daily devotions come in. We need to know, thus saith the Lord. Verse 11 again, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. Now notice this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. When we were in the ministry at the Capitol, one of the things I taught the pastors that were coming was this, look, these people are not your enemy. It's who's behind them. It's the rulers of the darkness of this world. There are people that are believing lies. And in fact, they're championing, championing yeah, they're standing for them. They're seeing that, you know, a young person can change their sex. No, they can't. But they're believing lies because Satan is attacking what God has made. There are people that when the lie comes, they will take it to the nth degree and sometimes physically fight for it. And so we wind up having riots. We need to see that there is somebody that we have to stand against. That's what Paul is saying here, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, verse 13, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, and you can do all, and I can do all, to stand. So let me ask you this question, and please, you know, 
Years ago, I heard somebody give a, a quote. Sooner or later, everybody sits down to a banquet of consequences. And you know, that, that, that is true. There are decisions, there's choices that we make. And sooner or later, the consequences come. Now, there is going to be a time if we are blood-bought, born-again believers, then we're going to stand at the Bema seat. That will be the ultimate. But right now, there are people that make choices. We've got a choice right now as believers. Are we going to take up the whole armor of God? If we do not, we're not going to stand. Sooner or later, there's going to come a situation where we will believe a lie from the liar. Something is going to take place. There are people right now that are discouraged, bitter, angry, you name it, because something took place maybe in a local church, maybe in the family, whatever. And instead of taking up the armor, I am not going to believe this from the wicked one. I am going to hold to this. Instead of doing that, what happens? They disappear. They walk away. They resist. Listen, we need to take up the whole armor of God, having done all to stand. Now, again, remember, we fight, and you've heard this before. It's a well-known saying. We fight from victory, not for victory. Christ is our champion. In the promises of God, we are told, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We are more than conquerors, through him that loved us. The battle is the Lord's. Now, in going through these things, in going through the armor of God, what I wanted to do was this. You might be able to add other things, but I wanted to bring up six areas, at least six areas, and maybe you could think of something else. But six areas where we need to recognize this is where the battle in our hearts and in our lives takes place. This is why we need the whole armor of God. This morning, I'm not sure how long we'll get into it, but this morning we'll see that the, the, our priorities is a battle. Secondly, our power then our purity, our purpose, our peace, and yes, our person. First of all, our priorities. I, I've been, I was reading again, I've just finished it. I went through again the book Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. I absolutely loved it. I've been through it before, wanted to go through it again. It was just as much a blessing, if not more now than it was before. It was said by Hudson Taylor's son, who actually put the book together. 
It was said by him that God was first in my dad's life, in Hudson Taylor's life. Not the work, not even the needs of the people of China or of the mission. It was not his own experiences that were number one. He knew, he wrote, that the promise was true. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Hudson Taylor's desire in his heart was the work in China, but the focus was God, and he delighted himself daily in the Lord. He rested in him. He had faith in him. He loved him, and God gave him the desires of his heart. That's what we need to see, that God himself is our priority. That's why Hudson Taylor's son, I believe, is the one that put this together. Looking at his dad's life and giving encouragement to others, and this is, this is almost 100 years ago in and of itself. He said this, take time. This, this is what I learned from my dad. Take time. Give God time to reveal himself to you. Give yourself time to be silent and quiet before him, waiting to receive through the Spirit the assurance of his presence with you and his power working in you. Take time to read his word as in his presence. Remember, when we're reading God's word, when we are hearing it preached like just now, God said he would be here. Christ promised, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. We're seeing crazy times going on in the world right now. Christ is still here. And all God's people said, I mean, I tell you what, listen, let the word create around you, create within you a holy atmosphere, a holy heavenly light in which your soul will be refreshed and strengthened for the work of daily life. So our priorities continue walking by faith, gathering by faith, obedience to the faith, and bringing others to the faith. That's one of our priorities. He is the greatest priority. I mentioned, you know, we're going to John 3.16 tonight. By God's grace, we will gather around that and once again see the priority of what he has done. But there's one other place. And if you could please give me just a little bit of time in this. This is so very important. Take your Bibles and go to 2 Timothy. We're going to be talking about the love of God, but I, as I was studying this, I realized my soul how much the love of God is shown here. Now, again, this is familiar. This is familiar. But here, 
is our written foundation given to us by our true foundation, Jesus Christ, God. Here is our written foundation. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. We know it. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Now, you stop and consider that. No wonder the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. One of the wondrous things that I think sometimes we miss when we read 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 is the love of God. You know, again, the psalmist in Psalm 119 wrote, the entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. All right, let's get some understanding. Just in that first phrase, all scripture given by who? Inspiration of, all right. You know, it's not as much anymore. Maybe it is, I don't know. You tune in to talk radio and you get a whole lot of opinion. And of course you tune in music and you get music or what some people say is music. And then when you go to the network news, <laughs> Lord knows what you're getting. When you go to college, you get a lot of stuff and they wonder how in the world am I gonna remember that? Guess what? When you turn 70, you're still gonna be learning. But please notice something. Do we ever stop and remember and realize this? That on every page, on every page in our Bible is written by God, I love you. We're told about our creation because God so loved the world. We're told about our sin and what the Lord has done through the centuries to take care of that sin. Why? Because God so loved the world. Look again at verse 16, if you would. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Here's where we can understand the love and is profitable, profitable. Paul said to Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Why? Because the word is profitable. That word means it gives you an advantage. It gives you an advantage. There are people in high places today, in Davos, in other places of power, in Washington, in Sacramento, that are doing things, they don't have our advantage because they're ignoring it. They hate it. They don't want it around. We have seen it. We know how it all ends while everybody else is wondering how in the world is Yosemite ever going to explode? Now they're talking about a virus that will be 20 times more deadly 
than COVID. We've got news for them. It's going to be a lot worse. And I don't say that gleefully. We go through the revelation and oh my soul. But we know how it ends. And that gives us the peace that passes all understanding. Why? Because we have read the book and it gives us an advantage. That's why Satan goes after our priorities. When you get up in the morning, something is going to be more important than your time in God's word. When you go through the day, he will make sure there's a situation, a circumstance, something that is more important than God's word. It's profitable. Number one, for doctrine. God loves us so much that he has a passion for us to know, to know what is vital to exist and survive, not only for time, but for eternity. Where we came from, why we're here, where we're going, why? For God so loved the world. When it comes to what is right, what is wrong, what is worth your time, the Bible will tell you. Its teaching is straight from the throne of heaven. Why? For God so loved the world. Are you catching it? If God wants you to know something, it's found right here because God so loved you. The Bible sets you straight. It gets you going in the right direction because God so loved the world. The news, there are people out there, they'll make sure it confuses you. The talk shows can get you down, but the Bible brings you up. It has the promises. It sets you straight, keeps you going straight, as we'll see. Why? For God so loved the world. You can, in this book, you can, and you will know what you need all about God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, creation, salvation, justification, sanctification, right and wrong, good and bad, heaven and hell and the future. Why? Because God so loved the world. It's good for doctrine then and then for reproof. Oh boy, <laughs> this is fun because we're reading, oh, that's interesting. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit, you realize the Holy Spirit is saying, uh, excuse me, but you're blowing it. The Bible says, go this way, you're going that way. The Bible says this, and you're doing that. And next thing you know, we got a challenge. See, this, this is one of the reasons why we gather. It's not the pastor's, it's not the pastor's thing to tell you where you go on vacation or what kind of car to buy. We open the book and we hear again, thus saith the Lord, and he speaks to principle and priorities and needs and judgments and mercy and grace and the future because God so loved 
the world. Now, one of the challenges we wind up having is this. Well, if it gives reproof and it tells me where I'm doing it wrong, I'm gonna make sure I let other people know where they're doing it wrong. You ever done that? How many of you have ever pointed the finger at somebody else, my hand is up? See, here's the problem. Now we're not gonna turn to it, but Isaiah is a wonderful example in this. For five chapters, he was going, woe is he, woe is he, woe is he, this group, that group, and all that. You go to, you go to Isaiah 6, and all of a sudden he's doing, woe is me, for I am done, undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Listen, if you're going to see the King of kings, you need to come under the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, it's over, as we see in Revelation 20. But then there's correction. See, the Lord says, I'm not going to leave you stranded out there on reproof, letting you know you've sinned over and over and over. There's a way to get right for correction. Why? Because God so loved the world. Uh, you all know that Jim Benny is one of my dear friends, and I think I've shared this with you before, but for those of you that never have heard it, Jim Benny, uh, a dear friend, has done incredible counseling and was a pastor for 16 years on top of that. But Jim Benny was interviewed by Moody Monthly. And they were talking about the problem of men, especially when it comes to pornography. The magazine wound up accidentally printing his telephone number. In two weeks, 24 pastors called him and said, I've got a problem. Now, pastors aren't the only ones that handle that. Guys, we need to realize that this book helps us when it comes to correction. And by the way, ladies, you're not immune. That's why they have certain programs on TV, you know, as the stomach churns and all that. Just like... Then finally, for instruction in righteousness. Instruction in righteousness. This is how we stay right. Because God so loved the world. Again, I'm bringing back an, an illustration that I used some time ago. But I, I, I love it because it talks about this very thing. All these that Paul chose to use through the Holy Spirit on what the book does for us. People know about the movie, Mutiny on the Bounty. Following their rebellion against Captain Bly, there were nine mutineers with Tahitian men and women who accompanied them found their way to an island. We've all heard of it, Pitcairn Island. 
Ten years later, drink and fighting had left only one man alive, John Adams. Eleven women and 23 children made up the rest of the island's population. That is where the movie ends. I don't know. I'm told it is. I've never seen it. But that's where it ends. Fitting for Hollywood. They didn't want to go the rest of the way because the rest of the way was the best. Here was this man, John Adams. He looked into the bottom of an old crate and found a Bible. And he began to study it. And the Lord began to speak to him and change him. He started teaching it. The, the peace that he had now in Christ was the thing that drove him. He taught the children. He taught the ladies. I don't know what the situation has been now, but there was a time and not that many decades ago, where on that island, there were about 100 people and just about every one of them were Christians because of Adams. Because God so loved the world. Look at verse 17 in 2 Timothy. That the man of God may be perfect, complete, that's why we praise God, not only for local churches, but also Bible colleges, because we need the training. All of us, we need to know what this book says. Might be perfect, what might be complete, for what? Because we need to know how to use the armor of God, because we go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Truly furnished unto all good works. Our king so loved the world that he went to the cross because he knew the worth of a soul. In closing, there was a gym dealer who was strolling the aisles of a gym and mineral show in Tucson, Arizona. He noticed a blue and violet stone, violet stone, about the size and shape of a potato. He looked it over and he was trying to stay as calm as he could. It had a price tag on it of $15. He said to the man, that's what you want, $15 for this? Well, the man thought, well, it doesn't look as pretty as the other stones. I'll sell it to you for 10. The stone has since been certified as a 1,905 carat natural star sapphire, about 800 carats larger than the next largest stone of its kind. It was appraised at $2.28 million. It took a stone lover to recognize the worth of a stone. It took a soul lover, Jesus Christ, to recognize the worth of people like you and me.
And so God so loved the world. This is why Satan targets our priorities. This is why we need to learn how to take up the armor of God, having done all to stand. May God's word be heeded.